My wife is an amazing, has amazing ability um, to create things out of um, what most of us wouldn't even keep. So I wanted to show you a picture. That is just part of our living room from a few weeks ago. And basically, it, uh, it looks like a bomb went off in a fabric store. This is just part of it. This is one side, and, and if we had multiple, if we had a 360 kind of camera, you would see it all over the living room for about a week. There was just scraps of fabric. Now, that's what they call it. The, the quoters call it scraps of fabric. And um, she, I don't know where, I, I, I don't know, she had a box of it. I don't know where it came from. All I know is one day I, I didn't have any place to sit. And just all these pieces. And these were pieces of fabric that if you and I were walking along and you, we saw it, we would most likely look at it and think, that eh, doesn't have any worth, I'll just toss it away. Not my wife. When she sees a piece of fabric, she sees the possibility, the potential for something beautiful. And so she will ha- she's got all of these scraps and, and she'll take them where I would go, really, just, uh, why? 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 And she spent days going through this, separating them into colors and different types of fabric so she could be organized, so she could use them in some way in order to create something like this. This was from a few years ago when um, she took, is that the, is that the one from um, my mom? Yeah, my great. So these are pieces of fabric that she actually got in a box that have my grandmother, my, was it great? My great grandma, my grandmother, my mom, and um, then I think there's pieces of one of my shirts in there somewhere. Um, putting it together, taking scraps that had, just don't seem like they could become something beautiful and turning into a blue ribbon first place quilt. And that's what God does when he sees our lives. That's what God does when he looks at the, what we would look at the circumstances, the difficulties, the mistakes that we've made, the sins that we've committed, and all the scraps of our lives that look like they're worthless, that the world would come along and look at us and go, there's no hope. There's no possibilities there. And let's just get rid of that. That person's really not of value. Let's just get rid of that. And that's the lie of the enemy, that he constantly tries to speak into our lives and say, we don't have value. But just like Sheila takes all of those scraps and puts them together in something beautiful, that's what God does. And, 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 then, and so if you go back to the previous picture, um, that, if you would say, Herb, I want you to take all of those scraps and I want you to create something beautiful. <laughs> that would be an impossibility. I mean, I could sew stuff together, but it wouldn't look beautiful. 
I mean, if I spent years and years and years of, of training, I couldn't come close to what Sheila does, but I could make something. And, and the very things in our lives that seem like the greatest impossibilities are the very things that God uses to make the greatest beautiful experiences. So he, and so whatever you're facing today, the difficulties, they may be impossibilities, they, or they may not seem quite impossible, but they're improbable, or they just seem like they're not going to work out the way that you think they should. Whatever you're facing today, the reason we say, God, I surrender all, is so that he can take all of that and do his most extraordinary work. Amen. And that's what I want to talk about today. So open your Bibles. We're going to be looking once again at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And um, we're going to start, so we've been looking at this, it'll probably be another couple of weeks when um, I want to go back and and look at some backstory of what happens. But today, um, I sense that God's focus is on learning how to accept God's invitation. When we're facing the impossible, we're facing the difficulties, how do we move from that, oh no, that we talked about with the kids, to, oh God, I know you're going to work. How do we learn to accept God's invitation? So I put in your outline um, some scriptures that we looked at before that I want to keep in our minds from Genesis chapter 18, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's God's question to Abraham and Sarah. And the answer is, no. Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power, by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And then farther in Jeremiah, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? And the answer is no. And there will be times when God comes to you and he will ask that question, Is this too hard for me? And the answer is no. But it feels too hard. And our initial response is, Oh no. And if we listen carefully, the Holy Spirit will say, Is this too hard for me? No. Well, how do we accept that invitation? Luke chapter 1, verse 37, nothing will be impossible with God. And Matthew 19, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. How do we learn to accept God's invitation to the impossible? Because, let me, you might want to write this down. God wants to do the impossible in our lives. He wants to. It's not, a, it's not just a nice thought. He wants to work in the impossible. Those areas, especially of our lives, where the devil has tried to convince us that that's never going to change. He wants to do the impossible. And he wants to invite us into experiencing the miraculous for him. And so we started looking at Jehoshaphat last week. And I want to review the first part. So let's, let's take a look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we'll read the first 13 verses. We're not going to get all the way through 33. 
He says, after this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Mayunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it before, uh, forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary, sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade, when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. How do we accept the invitation to experience the impossible? If you're taking notes, write this down. Circumstances, our circumstances are never about us. They belong to God. Our circumstances are not about us. And so here, here's Jehoshaphat. They got word that the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Mayunites were coming against them. And it was a horde. It was thousands, hundreds of thousands of soldiers so that they recognized this was an impossible situation. If we're going to really live Isaiah 55 where God's thoughts and God's ways are much higher than ours, if we're going to live allowing him to do the impossible, we have to lean into him. So this past week I was, um, I was on my knees early in the morning and I was praying. And, and if I remember right, I was, I was thanking God because I woke up and, and I, my stomach was feeling good. And, and it had for a couple of days and and because of all that I've been through over the last few years, I don't take that for granted anymore. And I woke up and I was just grateful and thanking God. And I sensed, and, and what I heard from the Holy Spirit was, your circumstances, or, or, or well, first, first what I heard is, your, your uh, intestinal problems have never ever been about you. They've been about what I want to do in your life. And then I heard, 
Your circumstances have never, ever been about you. They belong to me. If you lean into me, they're mine. And I was taken aback because I'm going, but wait a minute, uh, God. I think I was the one who had all the problems. I was the one who experienced all of the pain and all the difficulty and, and all the weakness and all the questions and all the wondering. I was the and, and I just felt like, I just sensed God saying, yeah, but you were always in my hands. So when Jehoshaphat stands there and he looks out at this horde and he goes to God, his circumstances were not about him. They involved him. They, and God was inviting him to experience the power and the awesomeness of God if he'll cooperate with him. But they weren't primarily about, primarily about Jehoshaphat. When we surrender ourselves to him, we're saying to God, you do what you know is best, even when I don't understand it. You do what will bring honor and glory to you and let other people see you, even when I don't grasp what you're doing. Our circumstances. And so that, sh- that, that is a part of us turning right side up to see from where he sits rather than to see our difficulties. Amen. It transforms the pain that we experience in this life that is going to come into something beyond ourselves. There's a greater purpose. There's a higher reason that God has. And so our circumstances, if, if we're looking to him, they're not about us. The difficulty is to really trust that God loves us and is doing what is best. Mm-hmm. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. And if you notice, there's no, if you look in your Bible in Romans eight twenty eight, there's no footnote that says most of the time. There are no exceptions to Romans 8.28 as we lean into Him. Our circumstances are never about us. It's, it's, it really is about alignment. So difficult circumstances come to us to get our attention. So here's Jehoshaphat and um, God wants to do something incredible. He invites Je- Jehoshaphat to experience the impossible. Our difficult circumstances um, are not a problem. They are the means by which God gets our attention. So if you think about uh, times in your life when things are going really well, and, and I don't even know how to avoid this. When things are going well, um, we, we still pray and we still try to focus on God, but it's when things are going bad, when there's pain in our lives where we get desperate enough to really hear God. <coughs> so um, one of the typical scenes in an adventure movie will be um, the hero needs to, to, to get out of a difficult circumstance. And so they, they come to the edge of a cliff and the guide is saying, okay, if we're going to survive, we need to jump. And the hero says, I can't jump. I can't, I'm too afraid. I can't jump. I can't do it. I, and the guy's going, we've got to jump. It's the only chance we have. We've got to jump. We've got to go. 
I can't do it. And then the hero looks back and sees a horde of people coming. And they say, okay, I'll jump. What changed? Because that difficulty was more dangerous than jumping. And that's the way it is in our spiritual lives. When God allows us to go through difficulty and pain and struggle and danger, it's not because He doesn't love us. It's because in our humanity, He's got to bring that into our lives to get us to do what He wants us to do, which He knows is better. And so when you're facing stuff, now here's something that I I sense God show me. Um, The severity So if you're taking notes, the severity of the problem or the issue or the difficulty indicates the enormity of the invitation. The severity of that situation, of that impossibility, reveals the enormity of what God is offering to do. Jehoshaphat stands there. All of these armies, hundreds of thousands of people, it's, they're going to be destroyed. Unless God intervenes, they're going to be destroyed. This is an impossible situation. It's as severe as it could possibly get. This horde will come in and will destroy the soldiers, capture all of the ordinary people, probably take them off into exile as slaves, destroy the temple, take all the, the worship elements out of the temple. Just It will be destruction. It's as severe as it gets. The severity of that is an indication of the enormity of what God wants to do. And in the weeks ahead, we'll see that because God shows up in this situation, all the nations around Judah leave them alone from that point forward because they recognize who God is. If you're going through severe stuff, it's an indication that God wants to do something really good. And that's one of those hard, the hard parts of turning, oh no, into, oh God. Because when it gets severe, all we want is just for it to go away. We just want God to change it. And somehow, some way, we need to help one another. Because when we get into those kinds of situations, our, uh, we just want it to go away. And we we. We lose the perspective. We lose the ability to see through God's eyes. And we need somebody else to help us. Say, here's what I see God doing. You can make it. Just take another step. I'll be with you. Jehoshaphat had others, the priests and others that were with him. When we face the severity of impossible situations, we need to acknowledge that it's hard. Superficial Christianity will have platitudes and will say, oh, well, God's just trying to grow your faith or it's going to get better, just hang in there. And we don't, acknowledge, we, don't, we don't acknowledge how hard it is. And what we see with Jehoshaphat, if you look at verse 5, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 5. No, I'm sorry, verse 9. 
He says, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before the house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and we will hear your voice and save. Now, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom would not let Israel invade. He presents it. He says, he doesn't deny that the reality is there. And so for some of you, it's yeah, I'm facing a physical issue that is, is overwhelming. I'm facing a relational issue that's overwhelming. I'm, I'm facing circumstances. I don't know what to turn. I don't know how it's going. And it's not denying it, saying, oh, God will take care of it without, and just pretending. It's laying it before God. It's recognizing this is hard. This is tough. This is awful. We don't deny it. We present it to God. So when we face impossible situations, don't just pretend that it's okay. The severity motivates us to go to God in full surrender. If you're writing it down, the, the third thought is that we have to learn to go to God in the obedient God-honoring way. We have to learn to go to God. We need to follow the model that He provides us with. Um, someone, uh, yeah, you complete this phrase. Practice makes, it's a lie. Practicing the right thing in the right way improves and, may, and gives you a skill. But there have been things that I practiced really bad. And it didn't make it perfect, it made it worse. When I was in high school, I was in the marching band. In my junior year, I tried out and I became the drum major. And during my junior year, I learned how to be drum major and it took a lot of practice. But by my senior year, I was really good. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm just stating fact. I got good. I, I got good. And I remember my senior year, being with other seniors, watching the freshmen come into the marching band and standing there shaking our heads going, I, I don't think they'll make, they, uh, this is going to be awful. I don't see how they're going to be able to do this. These um, snotty-nosed little freshmen who, they don't know how to march. They can hardly play their instrument. How in the world are we ever going to have a halftime show where, where it, it's moving? They're playing instruments and they're moving and they're going to the right spot and they're forming pictures on the field. How in the world is this ever going to work? And then we would go into two weeks of band camp and we would train them and we would work with them and we would continue to work with them and continue to work with them and, until finally we would make the first game and we always felt like we weren't prepared and, and then it would go pretty well. By the end of the season, as we would have, have uh, marching band shows, they, it all came together because they learned how to march in the right way. They learned where they were supposed to be on the field. They learned how to play the music and, and practice and practice and practice and practice. But it took those of us that were seniors to help those that were not as far along the way. If we're going to learn how to cooperate with God, we have, if we're going to cooperate with God, if we're going to face the impossible in the right way, we have to learn. 
because it doesn't come natural. Our approach to God is, God, why are you doing this to me? Right? That's our natural human nature. God, if you loved me, you wouldn't let this happen. God, if you really cared about me, you would fix this. And, let me, and God, let me tell you, here's how. Here's when. Here's who. And we tell God what to do. And if we approach God that way, he's going to stand back and just let us falter because he doesn't respond to that. But what we see in Jehoshaphat is he's learned. And, and we're going to go back next week. We're going to go back to see how he learned. But in, in 2 Chronicles 20, he shows us, he gives us the model for how to learn or, or, or how to approach it. So here we go. Fear. Acknowledge the fear. Look at verse 3. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. He was afraid. Fear directs our attention to the situation and to God. That's the first step. Fear. Recognize that the fear. God makes us afraid because that's how we know there's a problem. Second step is to worship God. Is to worship God. Verse 3 again. Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He was fearful, and that fear motivated him to seek God, and to fast, and to proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Now Judah is country. It's a, it's a country. It's not a city. It's a country. Verse 4, Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From the cities of Judah, they came, from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now I want you to pause because this is something that I never really paid much attention to as I read the story. Jehoshaphat told everybody in the entire country to gather in Jerusalem. Now I didn't take the time to look up to see how big Judah was. But what we're talking about here is an effort that took days. He calls out. He said, so they don't have internet. The only way they send the messages is through people. So he sends out from Jerusalem throughout the land to tell everybody to gather in Jerusalem. That takes days of, of the word getting out, days for them to leave where they are. And so wherever they are, they're, they're getting this message, and they're going, they got to gather it up. they got to get their food watered. they got to figure out how, and they, come, they all gather. So days of fasting, seeking God, until they all get together. We, we need to be enough, serious enough with God that we're willing to make whatever effort required in order to seek Him and surrender to Him if we want to experience the impossible. Amen. Mm -hmm. We live in an instant kind of society, in a culture that is superficial. We need to get serious. We need to be serious about seeking God. They put great effort into it. What does that great effort mean? It means different things for different people, but as a collective congregation, it means that we fast together. So three weeks out of the year, we say, let's fast and seek God. We surrender, we pray, we, we do whatever it takes in order to listen to Him and obey Him. 
Great effort. And so they seek God desperately, and they worship God. Verse 5, Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem. So after everybody came throughout the country, gathered together at the temple because the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God had descended upon the temple and lived, dwelt among men in the ark in the Holy of Holies. And so they gathered facing the temple in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. And, and so Jehoshaphat had learned through the stories of the past, through the, his experiences, through his, his father's experiences, who God was. You are God of heaven. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, recounting the times when Joshua came into the promised land, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name. He knew God. If we're going to seek God in impossible situations, we need to know who he is. That's why it's so important to know the word of God. It's so important that we worship together because we have, if we don't believe He is Almighty God, we're not going to really seek Him. Yep. If we don't really believe He has the power over this situation that I'm facing in, if, we don't, if, if I don't believe that for years I have difficulty with my, my digestive tract, and, but God is still God, I give up. I call it in. I just go, this is... This is God, you're not doing what I want. I'm going to go try something else. If I don't believe that God is God and that he loves me, I'm not going to accept his invitation to experience the impossible. And if I don't know his promises, then I won't even know how to pray. He goes on. Did, did, verse 7, did you not, our God, drive out those inhabitants? Verse 8, and they have lived in this land and have built, and, and we have lived in this land and have built for you a sanctuary for your name. And then he gives the present situation, verse 9. If disaster comes on us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. Why? Because that's what God told him to do. And he promised them, if you will come to me in this possibility, I will take care of you. They're claiming his promises. It is so important that we know the promises of God. The Romans 8.28 promise. There's not a situation in your, in your life where God doesn't promise to work out for good if we seek Him, if we surrender to Him, if we give Him permission, if we give Him our lives. Not one. But the devil will sneak in and go, ah, God's not going to take care of this one. Look how long it's been going on. Look how hard it is. Look how different. Look at the mistakes that you've made. God's promises are true. But He does it His way. And according to his thoughts, not ours. For your name is in this house. And we cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, behold, the men of Ammon 
and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. He presents the situation. Here it is, God. Now, was God ignorant of the situation? Was, was God going, so, so Jehoshaphat presents to him, God's not in heaven going, oh, I didn't know that. Shoot. Why? Why? Why is part of the model telling God what's the situation? Because we need to hear it. We need to identify it. And we need to lay it before Him. He needs us to see it as it really is. So that ultimately, He receives the honor and the glory. So here it is. We fear. We seek God desperately. We worship Him. And then we lay it before Him. And then, and this may be the hardest part of all, we wait and listen. We wait and listen. Verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. One of the reasons I love this last phrase of Jehoshaphat's prayer is because he doesn't tell God how. He just lays it before him. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I can't tell you how many times that I have prayed that exact prayer, knowing this scripture. When I face stuff, I go, God, I have no idea what's going on. But I know that you're God, and I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Josh Jehoshaphat didn't know what God would do. God, didn't, God promised to deliver, but he didn't tell him how. Um, And then in verse 13, Meanwhile, all Judah, all the people that have gathered across the countryside, stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. We don't know how long they stood, but we know that they had gathered together and they had been fasting together. Everybody, not just the leaders, not just the priests, not just the Levites, not just the the people that serve God in the temple, but everybody. The carpenters and the masons and, and the, you know, people who worked in the fields, the farmers, they all gathered with their wives and their children. They all just gathered together and they laid it before God and they said, we're facing an impossible situation and we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Parents, Grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends. Sometimes what you go through is not about you. Think of all those little children that were experiencing this. They're watching their parents, their uncles, and they're they're looking at the king and they're listening to this. And they're taking it all in so they will see God. 
a revival will occur as a result of all this. It wasn't just Jehoshaphat. It just wasn't the official people. It was everybody. So that they would see God. And all of these little ones would have this story of deliverance for the rest of their lives. You see, the severity of the impossibility is an indication of the enormity of what God wants to do. So when really hard things come into our lives, it's an indication of what God wants to do. Not just for us, but as conduits of His presence, as pipelines of His presence, God wants to show others. All these little kids that are a part of our congregation, they need to see God working. They need to see who God is and how He works. All of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And they waited. Going to God like this is developed. It doesn't happen in an instant. The reason, what we'll discover in in the coming weeks is as we do some flashbacks in Jehoshaphat's life, is the reason that he knew how to go to God is because he had been through situations that weren't as severe. He had been through these difficulties and it had built and built and so that God could, as he brought smaller impossibilities, then bigger impossibilities, and then bigger impossibilities and this is one of the highlights in the entire Old Testament. But it didn't happen in an instant. It has to be developed. So if you're taking notes you might want to write that down. It ha- going to God well has to be developed Some of those freshmen who came into the marching band when I was a senior had greater potential for being really good uh, instrumentalists, maybe better drum majors than I was. They had all kinds of potential, but it wasn't because they had potential. It was because they practiced well that they eventually developed into very, very good band members. Coming to Christ and accepting Christ and reading the Bible once in a while and attending worship once in a while doesn't make you ready to experience the impossible. It's facing a difficulty, going to God in fear and then turning to Him and worshiping Him and claiming His promises and then waiting and listening and obeying and then facing the next one and going to God and, and cooperating with them and walking in step. And now you have the capacity to do it against an even harder situation and an even harder situation and an even harder situation. Some of you are here today and God is working in your life to develop you to become leaders and representatives of God in, in ways where the Holy Spirit can flow through you through His presence. But it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a moment. It happens as God takes you through this process which is what we see in Jesus with his disciples. He, he, he came along, he said, follow me. And he had this people who no, people would not have expected. But then he took them through three years of forcing them to face a difficult situation, fumble and fall. And then he teaches them, fumble, fall, teach, fumble, fall, teach, fumble, fall, teach. And, and then chiding them saying, where's your faith? Why are you not trusting me? Why are, and it wasn't that he was 
He was mad at them. He was saying, I want you to grow. I want you to face this next impossibility. So they get the thousands of people around and Jesus says, or the, his disciples come and say, and says, send them away. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. And they would go, we can't. And later he goes, you could. If you turn to me and you say, how? By the time they get to Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes, they've been trained for three years and now the Holy Spirit comes and they turn the world upside down. They're no different than us. And some of you, God is prodding to try to get you to depend upon Him, to go to Him, to surrender to Him. Let Him develop you because He wants to use you in ways that you can't even imagine. God is working to, to bring about revival, to bring about spiritual maturity. There are people in your life that need to see Christ through you. Amen. And they'll see it when you go through difficulties and you turn to Him and let Him do the impossible. Because then they can't deny it. It takes effort. Some of you... Um, I've gotten to be friends with Temple Miller on, on Facebook. Uh, she joins us in learning community via Zoom. She lives in, in Michigan. Um, I, I wish she could come someday and tell her story. Because for uh, a long time, she has faced um, rheumatoid arthritis, um, other uh, um, autoimmune issues, She's faced difficulties with her family. She's faced all kinds of difficulties. Um, and her response has been, God, I surrender. There have been so many nights in her life, and Temple's going to watch this, and I didn't ask her permission. Get used to Temple. That's what Sheila lives with all the time. <laughs> there have been... As, as we've talked, there have been so many nights when she can't sleep because of the pain. And for a lot of years, she would just agonize. But um, through a series of circumstances, including her connecting with New Song about, what, two and a half years ago, she began instead to, when she's awake, turning to God, surrendering to God, spending time with God, listening to God, praying for other people. To the point where now, as you read her posts on Facebook, there's a depth and God is using her in ways that she never could have imagined, but it came out of the pain. That's the way God works. So when you're facing pain, when you get to the possibilities of your life, if you follow Jehoshaphat's model, God will bring you along to the place where you will. And with that, she would tell you, as I have said so many times, there's a depth of pleasure of intimacy with God because of the pain. God's used it for his good, for her good, and his glory in ways that she couldn't imagine. That's what God offers for us. But it's a whole different deal than what we deal with in, the, in this world because we go back to Isaiah 55. That, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. They're so much higher than ours. And so Isaiah, along with the people, as, as the leader of Judah, he stands before God. Our eyes are on you. We don't know what to do. 
Our eyes are on you. And then he waits. And that's where we're going to stop. <laughs> Next week, we'll see what, how God responds to that. But they only experience it because they went to him in the right way. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Your circumstances are never about you. They belong to God for His purposes. The severity of the issue that you're facing indicates the enormity of the invitation that He is extending to you. We have to learn to go to God in the obedient way so that He can develop um, following Him, putting our eyes on Him, and allowing Him to work. So as we talk today, what is it that God surfaced for you? What is, it, what is the next step that He's asking you to take? The, the maybe, it could be a, a shift in your thinking, or a, a something you need to surrender, or a different way of looking at circumstances. It could be leaning in and, and surrendering those things that you, that you've kind of thought he'd never take care of. God specializes in the impossible. That's what makes him God. He wants to do it for you. If you let him. Lord, I pray that you would Continue to poke at us, work on us, invite us, develop us. Whether we... Um, God, help us to get to the place where we can say with Jehoshaphat, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And lean in, trust you, cooperate with you, and let you do what you want. God, I pray that you would give us the courage. I pray for each person here that you give them the courage to step into that, to, to lean into that, to accept your ways, God. Whatever it takes, no matter how hard it is. God, I pray that for us as a church body. Whatever it takes, Lord, that we could be yours. Lord, we want to see you work with the same kind of thrill that Jehoshaphat and Judah experienced. So here we are. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.